Welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, the podcast where we watch scary movies so you don't have to. From award-winning to completely unknown, we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Solange Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. Hey, Mikey. Yes? Have you ever lived in an apartment where the address included room instead of apartment? Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. No, because you know why? Why? An apartment is more than one room in m- most cases. That's a good point. And this apartment was also more than one room. It definitely It was many rooms. In fact, their apartment was confusingly large. Yes. As was the basement in this building. The basement was enormous. It was like a parking garage. But I ask because today we're talking about the movie Room 203 from 2022. I will say that from the outside... This apartment building looked like a hotel, so it made sense. I mean, it does, except that it was then an apartment inside. Like it was. It w- it was. It's just weird. Like it felt like it felt like they filmed in a hotel, and then they were just pretending that it was an apartment or that there had been some yeah. kind of transformation. But I don't buy it. If you turned a hotel into a bunch of apartments, you would still call it apartment two hundred three. Yeah, because their apartments, that's the word. Right. That brings to mind my thought process during this movie, which was that I wonder, this movie being called Room 203, if you could like make a, make a hotel or apartment building out of all the movies with names like this. Because I know there's Room 237, that's the documentary about oh. The Shining. There's uh, 1408 is a Stephen King movie. We watched a horror movie a while ago that was like something, oh, that was like Apartment B or something like that, wasn't it? That can be in there. Well, that's confusing. Yeah, I know. It's a weird arrangement. (laughs) And then uh, there was another one, something like B13, I think, something like that. It was an Indian movie watched a long time ago, reviewed it for this channel. Hmm. It's on there somewhere. Yeah, that would be fun to take all the all the movies that were made that were named after the apartment they took place in and just mm-hmm. put all of those into one building. Oh, and then actually make that movie super cut them together and you have like <gasps> and then you like do and all the people interacting. Yeah, you do digital overlays <laughs> of like them crossing in the hall as they run out of their haunted apartments. That's crazy. <laughs> that could be fun. Okay. Room two oh three is Essentially, the story of these two girls who are moving out on their own for the first time. They rent this room, room 203. Which room? 203. Okay. And it turns out to be haunted. Uh Uh-huh. Do you feel like this movie was more about the room being haunted or more about Kim, the protagonist, being haunted by her own decisions? I don't know if I got that deep into this. I mean, it's important that we delve into the characters in order to tell the story. Here's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Okay. This movie is pretending 
to be a movie about a haunted room. And like that the point of the movie is to figure out why is this room haunted? Why are these ghosts doing terrible things to anyone who lives in room 203? Because yeah, they keep historically, doing yes, all of the people who rent this apartment end up in like murder-suicide situations. Yeah. You know, that's a very classic trope in horror movies. It sure is. But I feel like that piece of the movie was done on such a surface level that it was very tropey. It was very like, this is, this, these are the lines that you put in this order to make <laughs> this movie. On the other hand, there's a whole thing going on between Kim and Izzy, the two girls, mm-hmm. where like Izzy's mom died and Izzy in a fit of grief takes a bunch of pills and and overdoses. And it's kind of suggested that that happened partly because of the grief, but partly because Kim didn't know how to help her in her grief and like didn't show up when she asked for her to be there. And like, there's this whole thing going on between the two of them mm-hmm. and- Emotional stakes. Yes. So really like there's this whole underlying story of the haunting of Kim that that she's haunted by her decision not to show up for Izzy when Izzy asks her to and like then all of the things that she's doing through the rest of the movie are her trying to assuage that guilt somehow. Yeah, be very or supportive. make up for it. Yeah. Throughout this movie. Uh-huh. No, we're going to disagree. Are we? I felt for a long time that perhaps Izzy didn't exist, but wait, I thought she was a ghost, but you thought, I think, that she was Kim. So what I thought, because I also for a long time was like, I don't know, one of my notes is, is Izzy really there? Mm-hmm. And it was it's weird because question. she definitely was interacting with people. Yeah. And like there are times when other characters have talked to her. So because of that, I thought that Izzy had existed, that everything had happened, like Izzy's mom died, Izzy made the request, Kim said no, Izzy took the pills, and then she died. Yeah, definitely thought she died. And that that caused a schism in Kim's Mm. brain so that Kim kind of was like living two lives. Like she was her, but then she was also like keeping her friend alive by being her and like having these like fugue states. Yeah, it was very reasonable. And so like that scene where she was at the bar with the two guys, like the two girls were at the bar with the two guys. I'm like, maybe that one guy wasn't even there. Like it was just her and the one dude. And you know, I don't know. I couldn't figure out how it would, how it would work, but that was kind of what I thought for a while. Yeah. It kind of leaned that way. And I don't think intentionally, which is the thing, because in the end we find out they're, both real and there's just a whole thing about a ghost happening which is much less interesting also another thing that made me think this was when she's giving this like personal assignment like she's wants to be a journalist and one of her first college assignments is like write about a personal experience and she decides to write about how izzy's mom died and how izzy is in grief and like what it's like to be adjacent to grief and I'm like that's super weird and then it was extra weird to me that the college professor when she describes what she wants to do he's like yes that's a perfect way to complete this assignment yeah and it almost felt like he knew 
like her backstory and was like, yes, this is the way that you need to process through what happened and you can't quite get close enough to see the reality of what happened yet and this might be the thing that helps you. Yeah. That was the movie I wanted. It would have been better. That would have been very interesting. And that there's also a part later where she's talking to, I think, her new boyfriend, Ian. Mm-hmm. And th- like she's telling him about Izzy and she's revealing about the overdose and the way she says it is something like she took a bunch of drugs and then she and she wouldn't finish it right and right like what? every time she got close to that she shied away from it or she you know deflected in some way and i'm like ooh there's a juicy secret here that we're going to find out but there wasn't there wasn't it was just exactly what they had told us from the very beginning she really did survive and Everything was exactly the way it was on the surface. And when you look at that, then everything was just that Izzy was super dramatic and dealing with grief. And I thought was actually like portrayed relatively well in terms of someone who had had a tragic thing happen and was struggling to deal with it. And then Kim is just adjacent to that. Like (laughs) she was not, for being the main character of this movie, she was one of the least interesting characters in this movie. Yeah. I mean, like you said at the beginning, it was about her struggling with guilt and stuff over not supporting Izzy enough. But here's the thing. None of that felt real. Like, (laughs) it didn't feel realistic. It didn't feel like someone who was actually struggling with something. It felt like, okay, here's the thing. I felt like I was feeling the writer come through and that the writer had way more experience with loss and depression and grief than they had with being adjacent to (laughs) loss and depression and grief. Like the one felt very real and the other one felt very like, this is what I've seen on TV. This is surely what it must be like to be the friend of someone who's like me, you know, like, (laughs) which is weird because usually it's the other way around. It's like a normal person who hasn't, hasn't experienced anything writing about what it must be like to be the person who experiences things. So it was like a weird twist. I don't know. It didn't ring very true. I know that you had some difficulties with Kim's acting as well. Uh, well, I think that's it. Maybe it's not even the acting because there were times where I'm like, I, maybe it's not the acting. It might have been the writing. Maybe she just was doing the best she could with some very like <laughs> flat uh, script. But there were other times, like the scene on the bike where like she's sitting on the front <laughs> yes. of Ian's bike yeah, and I, she's just like, ha 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 ha. I am having like, fun today. <laughs> okay, like this is someone who's never experienced fun. This is yeah. someone who's only seen it on TV. <laughs> I mean, she was just uncomfortable. It was bad acting and it was because she was not feeling those emotions and didn't know how to make it happen. And was very possibly actually feeling very uncomfortable in yeah, that situation. I mean, she was sitting on the handlebars of a bike that was... Being driven <laughs> in the street. Like, yeah. It's yeah. pretty dangerous. And so, like, her, maybe her acting wasn't quite up to overcoming this, like, very intense real emotion that wasn't the one she was supposed to be showing. That makes a lot of sense. So actually. then what came through was pretending to be having a good time while being out actively terrified yeah which is kind of how it seemed yeah so that's good i yeah i i i wasn't impressed and there were also definitely some times where i'm like oof no she's just going straight to melodrama and skipping right over all 
real emotions. But again, that could be because the person who wrote the scene didn't actually understand what the real emotions that that character would have been feeling would be. I don't know. The scene where she, where Izzy confronts her about the assignment and is like, you're using my pain was so weird. Like that whole scene was just off in a major way to me. Like I did not like it at all. It didn't seem right. The other thing, and I really like, I feel like I'm going to complain about this movie a lot. So I feel bad about that. But the other thing is kind of going back to what I said earlier there were just so many things where I'm like, oh, this was just something where they were like, this is what happens in a horror movie. Like, this is the point Whoa. in the horror movie beats where you stare blankly at the stained glass window. Or, you know, <laughs> like, this is the point where a shadow walks by. Like, what yeah. was that? Well, what that, was that? Okay. And Maybe whatever speaking- happened to that guy? Okay, you are talking about the scene I Tony, thought you were talking about. Yeah. Tony, I was thinking this morning, was murdered by Grayson the Super. His name was actually Ronan. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Was that his hand in the wall? There was a hand in the wall? Yeah. She like, remember, she like bangs through the wall eventually toward oh, the, the end hand. and a hand falls out? Oh my gosh. Was it that was. Tony? It totally was Tony, I'm sure. I bet if we went back, we would find. Like he had some ring on because there was a ring on that. Sure. Yeah. That had to be Tony. Okay. Which is the, yeah, we're going to say that. I have a question then. Yeah. Because that, then that makes sense that like Tony disappears very early on in the movie. And then like, there's a point where Izzy comes into Kim's room because Kim's room is the one that has the weird, like oozing hole in the wall. I want to discuss. And Izzy comes in and is like, Ooh, Ooh, like it's like, there's a terrible smell. And I was like, okay, so. That, that was the point where I'm like, oh, Tony, is Tony in the wall? Like, I, I did have that thought. But my question is, if the super snuck in in the middle of the night and killed Tony, which, okay, how did he get Tony in their wall? Well, Soli, later, the girls are out for an extended amount of time, and they come home to find the super hanging out in their living room, telling them, oh, I just cleaned the stain. I came in to clean the stained glass window. Because they have a stained glass window in their apartment they're not allowed to mess with. And what he had actually done, besides that, because he must keep that clean, is he had opened up their wall, stuck Tony in there, closed it back up, which is something he does regularly because that's where he puts bodies. I mean, there's only so much space. It's just a wall between two rooms. Or is it an alternate dimension? Oh. (laughs) I mean, there is a bird that goes in that (laughs) hole. (laughs) There are birds in there. Which... It's funny because I found that a little bit relatable because remember in our Georgetown house oh, where yeah. there was a hole on the outside. Luckily. In, in between the rocks where like the little like nut hatches would go in there and hatch out their babies. That was awesome. That was awesome. See, we didn't dislike our hole in the it, wall. I would have liked it less if it was an oozing hole in our bedroom wall inside that yeah. crows came out of. I mean, even if it was little cute nut hatches coming out of it, I wouldn't like it indoors. No, no. That would be problematic. Yeah. Okay, what do you need to say about the hole? Well, I feel like I have been defeated on this because I was going to say it felt like it, like they were just trying to make, you know, oh, it's a haunted house. There's a mystery hole in the wall that can't close up and won't stay covered. And like, it doesn't, it never did anything. Like all the, it turns out the real point of interest was the stained glass window. That was where the demon was kept inside the window. Yeah. And so like the hole was nothing. But I think that's the answer is that there was no 
I don't know why the hole wouldn't stay closed, but there like was no mystery magic to the hole. It was simply that this guy all these years has like done that with that hole and there's bodies in there. Here's the thing though. If the super is hiding bodies in your wall, that hole is closable, first of all. Right. Birds don't go in and out of it, second of all. Yeah, but we don't know if those birds were ever real. They were like demon birds for Moragu. It seemed like an awful lot of really real birds banging up against the window at the end. Those were also Moragu because when she broke the window, the birds didn't come in. They were just not there. Mm. There were no birds. Mm. Remember, mm. Moragu takes the form of a crow or lots of crows, apparently. Apparently. So does the super keep putting his mom's necklace in the wall with the bodies? Yes. I'll say yes, because I'll say Are you going to sell me a set of pans? You shouldn't listen to pans. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say that he puts it in the wall because he knows people like to reach into goopy holes in the wall. Right? The number of people who just walk up to that like mysterious oozing hole and are like, let's see what's in here and just shove their hand inside. Mm-hmm. No. Because no. he needs someone to put on that necklace to be possessed or whatever it is that happens. I don't quite understand that, but yeah, like, Izzy definitely well, got possessed. Well, he said Morigu chooses who wears, the who wears the necklace. But it sort of feels like he chooses who wears the necklace. Or rather, he just puts the necklace in the hole and is like, well... Yeah. Whoever is crazy enough to stick their hand in a goopy hole will be my next victim. Well, and that's, though, that's Moragu choosing because she mesmerizes and whatnot. I guess. I don't know. But then, like, in the prologue scene, Mm -hmm. that guy finds the necklace, immediately puts it on his girlfriend. She immediately stabs herself in the neck with a broken bottle. (laughs) Like, bam, bam, bam. Here's a present I found in a goopy hole in the wall. Enjoy. Right? Yeah. And then... That's because we had to rush on to the real stuff. Well, and then Izzy finds the necklace and just like holds on to it for days. Yeah. Leaves it on the floor in her bedroom. <laughs> like, yeah. I, there weren't enough consistencies. Like the story wasn't consistent. There wasn't internal logic to what was going on. And it felt like it was trying to be two different stories. It was trying to be a ghost story. It was also trying to be a story about like unprocessed internal trauma. I feel like that's what you're supposed to do with ghost stories, though, because it's reflective of the trauma and the emotions. Okay, but here's the thing. What's the thing? They have to reflect one another in some way. Like, there was (laughs) the connections between what was going on between Izzy and Kim and what was going on with Morgu and the landlord and the landlord's parents and, like, that whole thing. There was no overlap. That's true that there's no overlap in those actual things, but I think the connection is just that the emotional conflict that Kim has is what comes to a head in the finale. So, you know, they're both rushing to the same conclusion where she has to be supportive of Izzy to save the day. Okay, if I had been editing this story, if people had been doing what I told them to do, which we all know is how the world should work. Yeah, that would be so much better. I would have had the landlord not be the son. Like, where did a son even come from? Like, that was nonsense. (laughs) Not be the son of those two people who died and started this whole thing. The landlord would have been that guy, Milton Briggs, who Kim went to talk to because he has guilt like Kim does. guilt connection. Because he watched 
the dude kill his wife and like was paralyzed with fear and couldn't mm-hmm. stop him. There's the parallel. And so he's like processing his guilt in some like weird, creepy murder people kind of way. Yeah. And she makes like, that would have been a story that connected in some way. There was, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. There's so much potential to this story and it just veered off and went weird places and got too fractured for me. Speaking of fractured, okay. in the end, Kim breaks the stained glass window to defeat Moragu. Yes. But it feels like, I mean, there was even a whole thing where the landlord was saying how she's like coming into this world a little bit at a time and she's going to get me instead of other people if I don't feed her other people. And I feel like when you break the window, she should have been happily coming into our world. And maybe there was, you know, there was the little moment at the end as it zoomed into the window where there was some implication that something scary was happening, Mm. even though nothing was happening. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was that. But it did seem like, why do you think breaking the thing that's holding her back is a good idea. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Thanks. Again, internal logic. It didn't make sense. Like, brick that window up or something. Yeah. I don't know. Or make it clear that breaking the window breaks the spell somehow. Yeah. But then you can't have the, like, (laughs) hole-shaped piece of construction paper you put up on the stained glass window have monsters behind it. See, that's what's funny, is they obviously got some fancy apartment that had a cool stained glass window. Which they were absolutely not allowed to touch. (laughs) They could not break that window. So, yeah. Construction paper. They did not have the budget for, like, what, what it would have taken to... To make it look like that window was actually broken. Yeah. It, it literally looked like they cut a, like a explosive speech bubble. You know how they're like pointy speech yeah. bubbles out of construction paper and just like taped it very gently <laughs> Which, to the window. That's not how that window would have broken. No, that entire pane would have been all falling apart. Yes. <laughs> so that's fun. That was funny. I, I That was probably a pretty cool building like when they there were various times when they were running around i was like that was a find for them (laughs) to be able to film in that yeah like that was a cool building when we saw the outside shot of the building and she's like standing there looking up at this like corner of a big apartment building slash hotel i was like that's angel's hotel and it's not but it oh it it definitely had those vibes connected me to Uh that And then, like, the scene right after that was Izzy screaming about uh, how the paper that Kim wrote was about her and she's mad about that. And I'm like, oh, she's Faith. And it was really weird. (laughs) Izzy has Faith vibes. I wrote that note down. See? There were so many times where I was like, oh, Eliza Dushku could have killed this. (laughs) She would have done a lot better. She would have been amazing in this role. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, that she had, uh, I kept expecting her to be like five by five. <laughs> she acted like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So th- there was both of those. And then like, uh, I don't know, the whole feel of the whole story just put into my brain the episode of Angel. I think it was two episodes that took place in like the 50s when he lived at that hotel. And he, Right. When he is remembering. Yeah, like how. It, like living at that hotel. And falling in love with that woman who was in an abusive relationship, right? Oh, yeah, something like mm-hmm. that. It was mm-hmm. a big bag of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely had those vibes. I just think it's funny that, you know, people, when they 
get a new apartment or whatever, they burn sage and they wave it around everything. Right. She did the And they did that thing. in this movie. And I suddenly realized they do that in a lot of ghost movies. And it's funny that doing that saging stuff is so ineffective, so meaningless, that even in ghost movies, which are all about it being magical and weird, it does nothing. It's <laughs> it like, doesn't it's, work at it's all. It's not anything. Like you, there was no point in doing that. Yeah. Although in this movie, because she didn't say anything about it, and it wasn't sage, it was just a stick of incense, and she didn't say anything about it, like there was no reference to it, she just lit a stick of incense and walked around the room and like waved it in all the corners Mm -hmm. and then stuck it in an incense holder. And at first I was like, oh, is she trying to like do something about ghosts? And then I realized she is trying to cover up the weird smell. Oh, yeah. And she wasn't like, it wasn't like a ghost thing at all. She wasn't like saging the room at all. Well, she she was just because there was burning a ghost. some incense because it stunk in there because there were dead bodies in the wall. Yeah. What a fun apartment. Right? Ratings. I feel like we have had a spirited and lively discussion of all the different things about this movie and the elements and stuff, but my actual experience of watching the movie was more like, eh. Okay. Like it was, it was really blah and like whatever. And it wasn't like a terrible, trashy. I was expecting it to be one of those, you know, like shot on video kind Mm -hmm. of super low budget things. And it wasn't. It was like a polished piece, but it was nothing good. It was not of any interest at all. It was just kind of bleh. So for me, I award this film two and a half music boxes out of five. It wasn't terrible, but there's no reason to see it, really. Okay. Yeah. This is one of those reviews where every once in a while we do a review and I'm like, ooh, I kind of feel bad. (laughs) Because I have the utmost respect and acknowledgement that I could not do any of what, like, there is zero chance that I could make a movie even remotely as good as this. Like, me too. I have deep respect for the work that went into making this movie. It was clearly something that people put a lot of effort into. And I wanna say like people who could get good at what they're doing, like who, there's potential there in all the different elements, like writing, acting, set, like, everything i see the potential and and this just didn't quite it it didn't make it it wasn't there this was one of those ones that's like ira glasses what does he call that the 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 valley or the the that chasm between what you are capable of doing currently and what you know you want to be able to do and that you have to work your way through that right and I feel like as as much as I'm complaining about this movie because it it's on the the wrong side of that chasm, <laughs> yeah. it is a part of that chasm. Like I think all of these people who were involved have the potential if they keep working at it to get to the other side and be good because they clearly have a vision for what they're trying to do. And this movie missed on it, it just missed on basically every element, which then leads to exactly what you said, like not very enjoyable watching, but then a really enjoyable, lively conversation about how I would have done it better. (laughs) Which, of course, we all know is not true. So it could have been better, but I respect this movie, right? Like, and And it wasn't really, like, I don't consider it a complete waste of time having watched it, but I certainly wouldn't watch it again. And if I had, if someone were asking me, like, 
I have 24 hours left to live and I want to watch a horror movie in that time. Like this isn't the one I would pick no. for them, but I don't know. I, you know, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible at all. I do feel like the end let me down. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my notes at the end are just what's happening now. Like what's going on? Because it, it tried to do too many things in the last few minutes Yeah. to wrap up things that had not been sufficiently fleshed out earlier in the movie, I think. I will say, though, the scene where Izzy is possessed in the basement and she's like, you know, being in all the weird like poses yeah. and jump, you know, every time the lights go out, she's in a different part of the room and stuff. That was a cool scene. And I like that's the sort of thing where I'm like, yeah. yeah, there's potential here. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. So I am also going to give it two and a half music boxes out of five. I just, you know, I can't bring myself to give it more. But if the people who made this movie, like the one movie, like the Staircase in the Drawers movie, mm-hmm. if the people who made this movie were to contact <laughs> us and be like, yeah, that wasn't our best work, but maybe check this one out that we made later. I would absolutely do it because like with that guy, I think the next ones will mm-hmm. be better. I think if they kept doing it, they would make good movies. You're going to have to wait on that because this was a 2022 movie. Oh, right. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of these names show up again in the future making horror movies because this felt like an early attempt and I look forward to seeing what they're capable of doing with a little practice. Yeah, I think it shows potential. Yeah. Fight the horror of a world gone mad. One thing about this movie is that, and I kind of feel like at this point, this is a good thing. I did not have any political thoughts while I was watching this movie. Uh Like I wasn't, it just, I was able to completely let go and it just be entertained, which was definitely something that I needed. Today's hot political tip is first of all, sometimes you just need to have an evening where you don't think about politics. Find a crappy horror movie and just disengage from the world. Second of all, because I feel like that's kind of, I don't know, a brief tip. I want something better. (laughs) I'm also going to remind you that it is possible to Google, am I registered to see if you are currently registered to vote? Even if you have registered and have checked in the past and you are certain you're registered, please take the time to verify that you are still registered and that you are registered under your current address so that when you get to the polls on voting day, there are no issues. That sounds good. Because there's still time to fix it if you check it and find out, my name has been removed from the Texas voter rolls because it sounds vaguely Hispanic or whatever. does happen. Yeah. Well, with that said, we will have to check out another movie next week and share it with you all. Yay! Bye, everybody. Bye. Don't forget to call your elected representatives. You're doing anti-ASMR. Yeah. How do you, how do you do that? You go, hey guys, I'm chewing my food. Nom, 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 nom. (laughs)
Just get a bunch of pots and pans and bang them together. It's ASMR. <laughs> I mean, I want to make an ASMR video. <laughs> Just bang pans together. Like you get it out and you have a camera looking at the pan and you're like, you're getting out your little your spatula and you're moving it towards the pan and then you go, bing, 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 bing. <laughs> All of the most obnoxious possible sounds. That sounds pretty good. <laughs>